On today's show, uh, we're talking about interest rates and what's happening in the market this month. Also, a down payment assistance programs for first-time home buyers. And then we're touching on the listing side of things and 10 steps to maximize your sale price of your home. Lastly, we'll meet Greg Rios of Truestone Home Mortgage. Twin Cities on the Move, a real estate and mortgage podcast featuring Paul St. Andrew, Justin Sheeler, Joel Benson, and Greg Rios. Paul and Justin are licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Results. And Joel and Greg are mortgage consultants with Truestone Home Mortgage, a division of Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union. And now, Twin Cities on the Move. Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode number three of Twin Cities on the Move. My name is Paul St. Andrew. I'm a realtor in the Twin Cities with Remax Results. And I'm Justin Sheeler with Remax Results. I'm Joel Benson. I'm with Truestone Home Mortgage. My NMLS number is 1064642. We're an equal opportunity lender. And Greg Rios with Truestone Home Mortgage. NMLS is 1505482. Good to see you today, fellas. Uh, today we have a few topics to discuss. The The mortgage guys are going to take it away here <laughs> right away in the beginning with interest rates. And then something that I know Joel and I have worked together on, and it's, I, I find it extremely interesting, that and it's down payment assistance. And who can actually – it's amazing who can – you think you can't buy a house? Well, you're probably wrong. And then – after that, we're going to talk about some simple steps to maximize the sale price of your existing house if you're going to put it on the market. And then last but not least, we get to meet Greg later on in the show here and hear a little bit more about him. So take it away, fellas. What's, uh, what are the rates doing this month in the mortgage world? Well, as you, as you all probably already know, the rates have been pretty crazy as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw last week a decrease, a single-week decrease larger than any that had happened since, I believe, 2009. Um, So it was pretty significant. And I know my phone was ringing off the hook. Um, Basically what happened was back in December, the Fed announced essentially that they were going to, or they anticipated, I should say, at least two rate hikes throughout 2019 Mm -hmm. at at a minimum. Yeah, it seemed like a done deal at the time. Yep, yep. And we were all bracing for it. In fact, I can tell you that... uh, uh, I always joke about how back in the day, uh, I had a, we had a, an interest rate special where I was able to offer something like 6.99 APR. And, right. And that, to me, was, like, amazing. It was and heaven, yeah. All these young guys – well, I'm not old or anything, but uh, all the younger guys <laughs> I worked Don't with, newer, newer, newer to the business, I should say, um, you know, they're complaining about rates. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, it's – you know, last year we – we started to suspect that we were going to start to see something creep back into the 5% range. And that's something that we haven't seen for several years. And for me, I was just like, it is what it is. You know, I mean, again, we talk about it. It's a price tag. Um, it may affect your, you know, your, your affordability or your buying power or whatever. But if you were going to buy a house, you're probably still going to buy a house. The thing that does have an impact on is the refinance market. Um, and I don't know about, about uh, you guys, but you know, you obviously refinances don't affect the real estate side as much. But Greg and I here, uh, you know, our phones were ringing off the hook last week, and I'm still kind of digging through my voicemail. Um, so essentially, I just wanted to, to point on that. The rates dropped significantly. Um, it's a, I mean, it, even before that happened last week, while it was exciting for all of us and, um, you know, the market loves it, but the reality is they were already historically low. So – and they've already started to creep back up just a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had people that, uh, you know, I closed as recently as, as December calling, looking to do refinances. And then it becomes a matter of, you know, how soon does it make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. But the reality is rates rates came down quite a bit. And it was, 
you know, it was a boon to the market. People people are are starting to starting to think about the uh, the refinance piece. But I think more sort of more applicable to this group here is what kind of impact does that have on on the real estate market? We felt it big time on the front on the front lines. I mean, Paul, I'm sure you're getting calls now that buyers that had just quit looking. They oh just yeah, given yeah, up. yeah. Like, they were discouraged, done. and then then again, they heard that news around Christmas time that yes, the rates are going yeah. to climb and things are going to go up, and they haven't. And so, right. yeah, they went down. They've, they've done the opposite. Yeah. And so a lot of happily surprised people have, have jumped back into the market, I think, which is, you know, creating, again, a very busy spring market real estate wise. I wanted to ask, Greg, you know, how does that Fed rate affect the actual mortgage rates or does it? I mean, does it really? Well, if I knew the exact answer. You'd be, <laughs> I'd be rich. But, uh, you know, there is some indicators that I found to be beneficial and um, you know you just try to keep a pulse on it because whether it's refinances or people that you're currently working with you know one of the things that we work with is if you lock someone's rate a little bit too early and the market drops they have the potential to shop you you know even last minute and you could be out of the game um, you know, if they did take a big drop. So that's really why I follow it is I just want to have a pulse on it so I'm not missing big dips or, Got it. you know, if the rate's climbing super high in a given day, well, if I have a couple people that were on the fence of locking, well, those are phone calls I'm making saying, hey, we might want to make a decision, you know, based on where things are going. It's more of a barometer, you're saying, rather I, than it, if the Fed rate goes down, then automatically this goes down or not. But It definitely helped. Yeah. Because um, it gives you kind of some type, some type of long term stability, but you know they've also gone up and down since then. So yeah. it's really it's hard. To... It's it's impossible. Really, nobody right. has a crystal ball. <clears throat> nobody that can figure this out. Yeah, Again, if point. if we did, we wouldn't be sitting here. Today. Right. So, well, yeah. you know, and I, I think one of the things to think about there too is that we have to be a little bit careful because we don't have a license to talk about certain things. But I can tell you that you know the the in the the thought that I didn't finish was that the Fed announced that they don't plan any interest rate hikes for 2019, which is what it does really is it spurs other segments of the marketplace, the bond market. People start you know, buying and selling. More activity happens because of the, the security of an announcement like that. Now, whether they, they could change their mind at the next meeting, right, and say, well, we just kidding. We're going to raise the rates. <laughs> right. You know, last yeah. year we saw four increases. So we don't know for sure, but what it does, it, it creates a perception and, and gives people confidence, I think. That demand has really flushed a lot of buyers out of the woods again they, that had given up. Exactly. And now they're yeah. ready to go again, and they have the confidence they, to do that. Yeah, they just feel good. Yeah, yeah, and because we're seeing numbers where, you know, yeah, the, the sales aren't quite as high as where we'd like them to be, but the, the market is phenomenal. It's just because of a lack of inventory. It's not the market's falling apart or anything close to that. We, we could absorb so much more. We just don't have the houses to... To grab so. another area that it impacted was um, we we have some down payment assistance programs, and some of those rates are set by third parties, so oh. we actually don't have control over those. And you know when the market went down, a lot of those rates fell. And um, you know when you're able to utilize those programs, some of them offer the opportunity to even borrow up to about fifteen thousand. What's nice about that, especially in this market, is you know, I'm working hand-in-hand with my realtors. A lot of times they're stressed out about asking for seller paids because you're just going to go to the bottom of the list in a multiple mm-hmm. offer situation. So what's nice about some of these programs is you can actually borrow a little bit more to finance the seller paids 
themselves okay. and make their offer more competitive. Um, so it's been a really nice piece to have. And, you know, a lot of these programs, you know, we have some where you don't need to have even a dollar into the transaction. And, you know, some are, are 1000 or 1500 You know, they can fluctuate. But, um, you know, those have spiked up as well. Yeah, tell me, tell me how these work. Because I guess I... It's funny. Joel and I have done a, a couple of them together. We've had these clients that have, have had been on down payment assistance and have used these programs. Every time I write these offers, I'm on the phone with Joel on Saturday morning or Saturday night saying, how do I, where, what box should I check here? Well, how do I do this? What, what happens here? So, I mean, talk, how does this work when somebody calls you and, and says, you know what, I'd really love to get a house. I, I just I know I just don't have a whole bunch of cash in the bank right yeah, now. Yeah, and that's a common question. I, I think that a lot of clients that I have contact with, the first question is how much do I need for down payment? And a lot of times, you know, people still think they need twenty percent or fifteen percent yeah. or ten percent. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you don't. We have programs that require one percent. We have programs that require three percent, three and a half, five. I mean probably the, the average right now, particularly for first time home buyers, is gonna be maybe a three and a half or five percent. Along with the the interest rate market, sort of creating confidence in people to maybe list their home or you know start you know entering the market looking, I think some education and awareness of the ability to purchase a home is, is what happens a lot of times. So it's simply, I'll just give you kind of a high level overview. Um, when I have contact with a client that is wondering about down payment assistance, the first thing I tell them is there's lots of options available. Your job is to just give me the information I ask for. I'll figure out what what works for you. Um, basically, down payment assistance programs, there's a bunch of them available. Um, I mean, certain counties have programs that they offer. You know, the state of Minnesota offers some programs. Uh, there's, you know, programs that we have internally. Uh, the bottom line is most of them are, are geared towards low to moderate income uh, clients. So there's going to be an income limit. Um, and that income limit is going to be dependent on the number of household members typically. Um, there's usually no... Well, I shouldn't say usually. There's not always specific credit criteria for these programs, but there's always an income limit. Hmm. So, you know, and depending yeah. on the number of household members, it might be, you know, 68000 or it might be, you know, 78000 or 140000 You know, certain household members, um, you know, you have to calculate their income into that qualification. Some you don't. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of ins and outs. A lot of, they're complicated, um, but the beauty of that is, we have the knowledge. The client doesn't need to know. The realtor doesn't need to know. All you guys need to know and the client needs to know is that these programs exist. Mm-hmm. That's you know? good to know because on, on Paul and I's side, when, when we – a long time ago, I can't speak for Paul, but I, I think I can speak in general that when you'd start working with some clients and they were doing one of these programs, you're like, oh, God, you know, how complicated is this going right. to get? Yep. Because sometimes they'd have additional – Things they had to do. They had to take a class. They had to do some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's nice to hear you say it because it's such a valuable tool. There are a lot of people out there that are, are struggling. They're not doing the greatest, but they'd like to get into housing. They'd like to own their own home. And it's really, really sweet that we do have some programs out there for people just like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One of the things I find, too, is you, know, you want to make sure that whatever – lender that you're working with understands kind of what they're explaining because it sounds great up front but you also have to set expectation because on your end you're thinking earnest money inspection and appraisal so if you you know if you kind of paint the picture wrong and make them feel hey you're you're covered because a lot of these programs aren't coming in until the end they still need to have some type of they have to money. have a little skin yeah. in the game right right, right. Yeah. so you yeah. have to set that expectation up front and kind of be you know lockstep with the realtor to make sure everyone's on the same page right. otherwise 
you know, it gets ugly. Yeah, right things. Up front. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's it's I I could see that happening too. And then and it's you're playing with somebody's emotions too because I mean it's the American dream to own a house. Yeah, it still is. Everybody still they you know I mean that, that's right up there. You know, to own a house and to to be able to offer this for for you guys to present that and offer it to somebody is wonderful. But yeah, like you said, it has to be done the right way. You know, from beginning to end. So, Just to to kind of finish up what I started there with how the programs work, I'll give you just a few basic tips or pointers um, or discussion points. So most of these programs that we offer um, do not require um, monthly payments. So they're going to have deferred monthly payments. Um, There are a couple of programs that require monthly payments. You know, um, we have a grant program available that requires not only has no monthly payment but does not require repayment at all. There's just basically kind of a... Uh, a period of five years where the, the the grant is forgiven if they sell the home or move out of the home during that five year period they pay back a prorated portion. Um, so we have lots of different options. You know the bottom line, kind of with every topic that that we sort of talk about is just reach out. You know we have you know the products, the knowledge. We'll walk you through it. We'll make sure you're comfortable and, and make sure you get you know the right program. You know, for your situation. Thanks. That's 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 just what I wanted to hear. So, um, listen. When we come back, uh, ten steps to maximize the sale price of your home. We have all these first-time home buyers, Justin. Now we have to find them a house. It's we'll not easy. It. This we'll help them. We'll help them. All right. Welcome back. Well, Paul and I were going to try to get into. A couple simple steps that people can take to maximize the sell price of their home without spending, you know, a million dollars getting it ready. Yeah, there's always a tipping point, yeah. isn't there? Where it's yeah, you can you have to quit sometime. You can yeah. you can't turn your house into the Taj Mahal when it's time <laughs> to sell it. That's for sure. And there's a lot of little things, like you said, that that can be done that don't cost a lot of money, that don't take a lot of time, and you know when. When we have 1.6 months of inventory, some people think, well, all I have to do is just have you drive by and just slow down just enough to bang your sign in the yard. And the commercials and, don't help now either. Right. You know, all the commercials we hear, you can you can sit in your lazy boy recliner and we'll do everything for you and, and we'll still get you top mm-hmm. dollar for your place. Yeah. And it, it's not, it doesn't work that way. It yeah, still doesn't work that way. There. I know. I tell all my seller yeah. clients, I say, you know, it's like a three-legged stool has to be priced correctly. It has to be marketed really well. That's where we come in. Yep. And then you have to fix it up and get it ready to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And again, back to there, you don't have to turn your house into the Taj Mahal. But there's a lot of little, you know, odds and ends that can be done here. We're, the All the snow is finally going away here in the Twin Cities. I look outside and I, I cringe at my yard right now. But that's <laughs> one of the first things you can do yeah. is you can start to think about your landscaping. Mm-hmm. You know, cut the grass. Yeah. Um, rake up the leaves from last year. You know, if you have a dog that's running around and you know you you got a lot you got you got a lot to do this time. <laughs> Unless of year. your dog defies biology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you're I mean, have a little little bit of cleaning up. There. That's just one thing. You know, I mean, clean the outside. Uh, you know, the sloppy exterior makes them makes them think you slacked off on the inside as well. And People do, my buyer clients, they do drive by houses, it seems, before they even call me. If we have a search set up, they say, gee, you know what? I was driving home from work. I swung by this one. I don't think I want to see it. I know you think I do, but I don't because, you know what, it's a mess outside. That's why Curbaville is so valuable, literally. I mean, it, 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 you're talking thousands of dollars. Just just like the front door, how the front door looks. When somebody's driving by and they see that, that front yard 
That's their first impression of the house, and that has such a big impact on them. So, yeah. Quick coat uh, of paint on the front door. Yeah. Simple. Absolutely. Yeah, $10 coat of paint. A little goes welcome a long mat. Way. Something as simple as a welcome yeah. mat, a few plants. I, I mean, know. how much is that going to cost you? Less than $50. Yeah. You know, also. Justin, you mentioned the pets from one of you guys did yeah, recently. Yeah. So for me, honestly, if I if I were to go look at a home and I saw a dog run around the front yard, my first thought is going to be, what did that dog do to the inside of the house, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is there something – I mean, do you, do you counsel people to, hey – while your house is on the market, let's let's keep the dog out of sight. Or yeah. dogs can be tricky because everybody's really attached to their dogs, and so there there is a, a delicate balance there when you're talking to people and trying to explain. You don't have to get rid of your dog, but we have to find a way to kennel your dog or possibly have your dog out of the property while we're doing showings. So that gets a little bit tricky, but there there are a lot well, of things just, that you can do that. Yeah, it, without keep your yard fight up. You know, if yeah. you have a dog, yeah. <clears throat> You're you're kind of doing that anyway. You you have to take that into consideration. And again, it's not a fortune to make sure that your you know your pet is is he's part of the equation. So make sure that you know it, the, the house doesn't look like a zoo. Yeah, that's it's easy. all about it's all about people's experience when they're walking through the house, and uh, that's something something as simple as setting your your thermostat at a at a comfortable temperature. Some people go out of town; they go to Arizona or Florida. They set their temperature at at fifty two degrees, and people are freezing inside, wondering if the furnace is even working. Little simple stuff like that. It's all about customers' experiences as they're going through the house. But these are simple steps, right, Paul? I mean, these are these are things that yeah. anybody can do. They're free, and well, you, your time is probably worth something, but they're not going to cost you hardly anything. And, uh, and it's, well, it's something and it, that anybody can do. And it really does make a difference. Kids' rooms are one thing that I always think is really – it can be tricky. Um, I have three young people that let me live in my house, and they're older now. But when they – they, there's a certain age where they have nothing but plastic toys, and they're everywhere. And um, I've had clients that what we did is we I'd come over, I'd go get one of these milk crate storage things at Target, and I'd give it to them, and I'd say, you know, listen, here's little Stevie's – bucket of toys and have them fill this up and this is what he gets to play with while the house is listed for sale everything else goes in storage and then it's like christmas when he gets to the new house and gets to open up all his old see his old toys <laughs> he forgot about it yep. and yeah. then while you're showing the house when you get a call for a showing you have him run around with his one bucket it all fits in the bucket. Put it wherever you put it, and off you go. Easy, yeah. in my opinion. I have a question for you guys. What about some pointers for a property that might be vacant? Number one, make sure it's very clean. A house that is empty and dusty, all you see is the dust. Either clean it or or run the cleaners through and make sure that everything about it is clean. The fridge is clean. The floors are clean, the doorknobs are clean, the dust, there's no dust on the windowsill. So so all of these little things, you know, again, it's the three-legged stool. It has to be marketed well, priced correctly, and just fix it up a little bit. Just do a little bit here and there. It doesn't, we don't have to break the bank to do it, but but we're going to say those things are, you're going to save money and you're also going to save time. And, and it might not be a dollar for dollar return, but again, the marketability of your house will go a long way. And to get specific, like we said, clean up your yard, clean the inside of the house, clean the windows, wipe down your screens this time of year, welcome mat, a couple plants just on the the outside of the house, the, the front part of the house where you're walking in, declutter, put everything, you're going to have to pack it up anyway, get it all packed up in neat storage bins, get that stuff out of the way. And maybe a little bit of paint. That's there you about go. It. Yeah. It's super simple. Thousands of dollars. Simple and painless, right? Yeah. 
Good, good. Well, when we get back, everybody, we'll learn a little bit more about Greg from Truestone and see what makes him tick. Welcome back, everybody, to Twin Cities on the Mood. It's episode number three here, and uh, we have a little bit of time, so we thought we'd pick one of us out of a hat and, and just learn a little bit more. So today, uh, Greg Rios from Truestone Mortgage drew the short end of the stick here. So we're, we're glad you're part of the part of the group. Greg, tell us where... I, I, we just met, you and I, just right when we started to do this. I know you and Joel are old friends, just like Justin and I, so it's been fun to visit, but... Um, tell me a little bit about you. Are you were you born in the Twin Cities or? Yes, I was uh, born and raised in Brooklyn Park. Okay, so uh, you know, graduated from Park Center. Nice, um, class of '97. Okay, Go Pirates. Uh, Pirates. <laughs> so you know, and just from there, uh, you know, I ended up going to Wisconsin Stout for a while. Uh, strictly for the party house. I was going to say, yeah. not the drinking school at all. <laughs> right, right. So that didn't go well. Um, so I ended up at Brown uh, yeah. getting a radio broadcasting degree. You know, I kind of got sold a bill of goods there. You yeah. know, I thought I was going to be the next Tony Fly. Turns out that wasn't the case. Um, I actually worked for Channel 45 uh, when they launched. 45. Right. So pretty, pretty funny story. You know, they're hiring people. Sorry. At first, it was just an internship, so it's me and this guy, and we're interviewing uh, with Joe Johnston. He was, like, the decision maker, and he's like, well, here's the deal. I like both you guys, but one of you has to wear the 45 costume, and one of you is going to be the MC. So <laughs> I was like, well, if I'm wearing the costume, I'm out. So I, I shot that down, and the other guy actually decided to do it, um, and he... He actually ended up working for Care 11. It was Dave Berg- Bergeron. Yeah. So, yeah, he he was great. I mean, he, the kids loved him, whatever. I wanted no parts of that. <laughs> but, I, you know, I stuck with Channel 45 for a while. I used to do all of their uh, state fair marketing. Oh, fun. So they used to do, like, a survivor deal where um, they would, you know, pick people, like 10 to 12 people to live at the state fair and do challenges, get voted off. The winner would win a car. So I would MC the thing from like open to close. So I was at the state fair every day for like, you know, for the three years in a row that I nice. worked there and Fun. had every type of food. And I literally couldn't go to the state fair for about 10 years after that because it was <laughs> it was way too much. But, uh, you know, so I did that and it just never really transitioned into anything that I wanted to do. You know, opportunities that I had were out of state. I didn't have any interest in that. So then I eventually you know, open the door for sales. So I've kind of been in sales forever. And then eventually got into yellow page ads, uh, worked with Dex Media. Well, you're dating yourself now. Right, <laughs> right. So, and, there's so many kids out there right now. Well, what I, is a yellow page? I, I had a great run. So I went from yellow pages, which that went belly up. And then I went into health insurance. Then came Obamacare. That went belly oh, up. Boy. And then I eventually transitioned into mortgage. Joel and I worked together at Assurant Health, Mm -hmm. you know, our health insurance. And over, you know, we had a gap there where, you know, he kind of went back into mortgage and I was holding on to insurance and he would like check in with me periodically and be like, hey, you you did mortgage, right? And I'd be like, no. And he'd be like, oh, never mind then. Because he's always trying to like, you know, he'd have an opportunity or something, but I didn't have any experience. So it just never came to be. And then eventually, you know, I got into mortgage 
outside of Joel. Joel recruited me, and we've been working together since. You know, I've learned a lot from him. You know, and, and I think the reason I'm in mortgage and I'm at Truestone, it's kind of twofold. One, I really enjoy helping people. Mm-hmm. A lot of my business tends to be first-time home buyers, so helping people realize that dream and kind of walking it through that, you know, the education piece and all of that, I really enjoy it. But the one of the reasons, well, there's two reasons about Truestone. One, Joel Benson. Two, my dad used to bank with Truestone. And he was there from the inception, like uh, Teachers Federal Credit a, Union, mm-hmm. through all the transitions. And my dad loved the bank, just loved it because he could go in there and the tellers knew his name. And I literally, he would just make up reasons to go in there. <laughs> you know, hey, I need checks. Just didn't need checks, you know. So that always kind of pulled at my heartstrings, you know, because I remember when I was kind of trying to decide where I was going to be, I had, you know, multiple offers and, you know, that was one of my deciding factors is, you know, I thought, you know, my dad's passed away, but, you know, I thought he would be proud to know that I worked at his bank. At his bank, right. right. Yeah, that's right. cool. So, and, and it's been great. You know, I, I love True Stone. Are you sure it had nothing to do with the alleged lunchbox or anything like that? Right, right. Yeah, it's so funny story. Uh, Joel and I used to work together uh, at Assurant, and we were in cubes, and I came to to work one day and I never bring lunch. So I must've been on a diet or something. Cause I, I don't do lunches like that. You know, I come in with the lunchbox. It gets, it gets his attention. He's like, Oh, that's a nice lunchbox. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. And he's like, funny. I, I had the same one. And I'm like, so okay. here's what, so here's what actually happened. So I have this <laughs> lunchbox and it's just a standard issue target gray lunchbox. And, um, mine disappeared, you know, you would put things in the fridge in the in the break room, and sometimes sometimes people would eat your food. You know, you have to label things. Um, my lunchbox disappears, and I'm not kidding you. It was like two days later. I look over, and Rios has got the this lunchbox on his on his just sitting right on the. It was almost like he was taunting me. You know, it was like right on the edge. So I'm like, Hey, Rios, uh, where'd you get that lunchbox? And he's like, Target. I'm like, Are you sure? Like I was literally convinced at that moment. That that was my lunchbox because they only made one just like right. that. Well, there what are the odds? The right. guy who sits right next to me is going to have the exact I don't same. Know. You guys box. have the same my shirt question today, is, so pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty good, I think. <laughs> so, right. Well, good, and now you're pals ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about uh, just a little, uh, maybe some personal stuff, Greg? What, what family? Sure. So I have three kids: nine, six, and four. Two boys and one girl. Uh, they're all in like activities, sports, dance, all that stuff. So that's. Another reason why it's nice to have this job is to have some flexibility so you can go to all that stuff. That's great, man. Well, good. Well, we're glad you're here. Offer a lot to the show, that's for sure. So, well, that's going to do it. Episode three, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Joel, I'll buy you a new lunchbox. All right. <laughs> this has been Twin Cities on the Move, a real estate and mortgage podcast. Paul St. Andrew and Justin Sheeler are licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Results. You can find Paul online at minnesotahomesales.com and Justin at justinsheeler.com with Sheeler spelled S-C-H-E-E-L-E-R. Joel Benson and Greg Rios are mortgage consultants with Truestone Home Mortgage, a division of Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union. And they can be found online at truestonehomemortgage.com slash joel hyphen benson and truestonehomemortgage.com slash greg hyphen rios. 
Truestone is spelled T-R-U-S-T-O-N-E, and Rios is spelled R-I-O-S. Truestone Home Mortgage and Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union are not affiliated with Remax or Remax Results. This show has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the individual participants and may not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Remax Results, Truestone Home Mortgage, Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union, or Minnesota Podcasting. 